Toe for You with Colin Cullis is proudly sponsored by Revix, the smartest way to invest in cryptocurrencies. Thank you for pressing play. It's the first action to show you want to know more about what opportunities exist in the crypto space. Whether you're just starting out or already have a bit of a portfolio, maybe you've burned and heard horror stories. Either way, you don't want your experience to be a cautionary tale. Over the course of the next episodes, you should find the answers you were looking for and some you did not even know you needed. It is presented by Revix, a company that operates in the space. The multiple aha moments will be supplied by its founder and CEO, Sean Sanders. I, like you, prefer to find a bit more about my sources before I fully engage with what they are saying. So let's begin with a little bit about who we are. Our journeys may be different to yours, but we all probably started just the same, looking for more information. My name is Colin Cullis, your guide for this journey. I present a segment on Bruce Whitfield's Money Show on 702 and Cape Talk. In 2015, he asked me to find out about the technologies that were going to disrupt business. And the 200 plus episodes since, I have been tracking the things that have changed how we do business. And a good few that just looked like they might. I've covered crypto multiple times over the years. And while I remain critical of how it may overcome its challenges, there is a lot more to come. And this is still really just the beginning. Sean Sanders created Revix in 2018. But I wonder if while doing his business science degree in finance at UCT, he recalls the publication of the Bitcoin white paper in October 2008. Sean went on to graduate with distinction, and those nine pages went on to create a market with over a trillion dollars. The whole world of finance was open to you, Sean. How did you come to choose crypto, or did crypto choose you? I actually don't think I can answer that straight up. I spent quite a few years working in finance and the financial industry sort of prepared me for starting Revix in a weird way. So my honors dissertation, my honors thesis was focusing on the active versus the passive ETF industry, uh, which is just really a fancy financy way of saying the fund management industry that is actively managed where people are looking to outperform the market versus the fund management industry where people are looking just to track the market. So to get the same return as you know the JSE top 40 or uh, the S&P 500 or another big index. And that combined with experience at looking at emerging asset classes, alternative assets, sort of positioned me very well to kind of launch this alternative investment fund, uh, which was what I launched just before Revix, which actually landed up becoming a complete failure and opened the door then for me to see, well, maybe there's this opportunity to have something that's a little bit more scalable, but to provide exactly the same sort of opportunity. And that's why we launched Revix. So taking a step back, we launched essentially a bundle, it's a basket of cryptocurrencies that give you exposure to the top 10 cryptocurrencies in much the same way as the S&P 500 or the JSE top 40 gives you exposure to the stock market. And the prior company I had, which was called Blocktree Capital, uh, that was essentially a fund that allowed high net worth individuals. And I was working at a family office before. A family office is where there's a rather wealthy individual that has a lot of money and needs to hire a lawyer, an analyst, an investment team to manage his money for him. this individual wanted to get exposure to crypto. And back then I was like, oh, this is a little novel, this is a little interesting. So the fund that I created actually landed up coming from that and finding other individuals that wanted to get exposure to digital currencies and just didn't know how to get exposure to to this asset class. And the, the business sort of bombed. Why? Because it was really just sort of the early days of crypto. There wasn't the sort of custody solutions that you have today. And it just was really hard actually setting up the fund. Fast forward a year or two from that point in time when the fund actually just didn't work out. And there was this opportunity to launch something that provided exactly the same sort of service, which is diversified exposure to this asset class. And you could provide this now to everyday people. So a much bigger market. And that's the birth of Revix. 
very crypto focused. But uh, to get that kind of funding that allows for a startup to be, you obviously would have had to do some things to, to show the sort of worth there. And if I'm not mistaken, there are quite a few incubators, etc., that sort of courted you or certainly were happy to have you come and develop that plan. Can you tell us a bit about that incubation period and, and ultimately the big investment in, in the start or in Revix to get it started up? So what's quite interesting about that is one of the first companies I worked for is a Johannesburg stock exchange listed group called Subvest. They invest in a whole bunch of, dare I say, boring industrial businesses. And I worked there as an investment analyst for three and a half years. I went off then to go work at a bunch of other businesses. And they were actually the first company that I approached to say, listen, I've got this little idea that I would like to pursue a little bit further. I need a bit of funding for that. And they actually landed up giving us our first capital, which was about 9 million rand. So it was quite a lot of seed capital. You know, it was the most seed capital I'd raised to that, at that point in time. And fast forward a few years after raising some more money after that, uh, there's two accelerators that we're part of today. The one is the Berkeley Blockchain Accelerator, which is a really prestigious accelerator based, uh, I guess now it's remote given COVID, but it's normally based in California at Berkeley. And the other accelerator is the Kotofin Tech Hub Accelerator. So this is essentially a government sponsored initiative to promote FinTech in the Middle East. So we are part of that accelerator actually looking to build out Revix's B2B business opportunity, which is a completely separate discussion. And yeah, I guess between these two accelerators, we've been able to, I don't know, get some really good traction, some international exposure as well. And we've managed to raise a bit more money, which is quite exciting. A bit more money. I think it was somewhere in the region of 60 million rand. It was, in total, we raised $4.1 million. Okay. Off and running. Uh, crypto means different things to different people and, and the many ways that it can be used. Uh, that Bitcoin white paper came out of a, the global financial crisis. I think until the pandemic, most people would have only had that as, a, as, a, as reference points. But it's all a way that value could be transferred without needing a bank. How do you see the role that banks play now and maybe you know, in the future, the kind of role that Revix would play and how it differs? Oh, if you're gonna get my opinions coming out here, this is great. So I absolutely despise banks. And it, I think there isn't a single person I know that doesn't despise their bank. Why? Because you go into a bank branch and you sit there and it's a terrible experience. You call your bank, you get through to 15 different customer support agents and then the line drops. Like everyone knows this experience. So banks have created this environment for fintech to flourish. It hasn't even been a case of, you know, there's all these great fintech solutions and, you know, banks are just useless at providing their service, therefore the fintech solutions should flourish. It's just like banks suck at everything that they do. Like literally every single thing that they touch or do, they're pretty poor at. They're kind of like governments in many senses here. You can see like the, the Bitcoinist slash crypto head inside yeah. of me coming out here. But banks essentially are kind of intermediaries in most transactions, right? So banks were created, why? Because you know, people need to store their currency at some sort of institution, they need to provide loans, and the banks act as essentially that intermediary. And up until 2008, you had banks that were the intermediaries when it came to payments. Sure, you could have a cash payment from peer to peer, but any digital payment that was going to occur was gonna to have to happen through a bank. So a lot of people think that when they make a payment that they're the ones making a payment to somebody else. But in actual fact, they're instructing their bank to make a payment to another bank. and that's a bit of a city system, right? I mean, at the end of the day, making a payment, a certainly a digital payment, should be as cheap and you know, as quick as sending an email. And that's really where crypto then came about, because all of a sudden it was like, why should a bank have to manage your money? This is your money, right? And I think this is another side of things, and it's quite a libertarian idea, but it's to say that if a bank houses your money for you, controls the money for you, and you have some sort of entity, let's say that's SARS, or let's say that's other supernatural entities such as you know, government organization, should they have the right to then access your money? And that's a question that I think a lot of Bitcoiners and crypto heads sort of say, no, like that's my money. You, know, you have to go through legal proceedings before you should be able to access those funds. Another thing in South Africa in particular is you've got exchange controls. So for a government, you know, arguably with one of the worst track records in history, 
to have a currency that depreciates over multiple years and then to say this and you can't move that money out of the country or you can only move a certain amount of that out of the country, that's a problem to a lot of people. They see that as, you know, that's not fair, that's not right. And that's where this entire sort of dark area of finance then emerged, which has now become the crypto space, um, which is essentially a separate financial system altogether than what you're currently seeing today. So the banks are definitely inspiring you to do something better, but is it, is it fair for me to make the distinction that says, well, the banking and the transaction side is one element, certainly of crypto and possibly that Revix can work with, but Revix's focus is slightly more the investment element, not really the transactions. Can you just make the distinction between totally. where, the, where the Revix focus is? Yeah, so Revix, we focus a lot more on the investment side of things. So crypto at the end of the day is meant to be, I mean, obviously there's a lot of facets to cryptocurrency, but let's look at, let's say Bitcoin or any other payments focused cryptocurrency uh, these cryptocurrencies are meant to be there to facilitate peer-to-peer payments, uh, free of any governments, free of any central authorities, and that is meant to make payments uh, cheaper, faster, just better in general. Then there's another whole area of cryptocurrency which focuses on decentralized finance, which is a term I think people are going to talk a lot more about over the coming years, non-fungible tokens. I mean, this is all jargon today, but it is becoming a lot more mainstream. And there's just so much going on in the space that if you were to focus on any single vertical, you'd be missing out on all the rest. So I think quite selfishly with Revex, we were saying, well, listen, I can't tell you, and no one within this business, no, and no one in the world actually can tell you where the crypto space is going to go. Um, there's different areas that are emerging, and what we believe in is really providing everyday people exposure to invest in this emerging category. So it's the first time in our lifetimes that you've seen the emergence of a new asset class, entirely new asset class. Literally, there's no set of regulations that apply to this asset class. And I think that's quite exciting, and that's what we're wanting to offer with Revix. It's just an easy way to get exposure to this emerging sector. Nice. You, you touched on a couple of those components, and like you said, there's a lot of jargon, so we're going to try and work our way slowly through that, so don't, don't, don't feel too bad if you're a little bit lost. But you also touched on the fact that nobody knows where this is going, the risks that are inherently associated with it. And I can say from my own experience at one, at one stage, I wanted to buy some Bitcoin and I didn't understand the process, it was admittedly a little while ago, and thought I had to get a copy of the ledger. So I began downloading the 60 gig, at the time, 60 gig ledger of Bitcoin, thinking that's what I needed to be able to hold a wallet. Um, thankfully that's not the case, not for holding Bitcoin or any other coin, and uh, certainly not something you need to do to get uh, anything at Revix. So simplifying the process, I suppose, is what we're looking for. What is the process that Revix will follow if I want to get myself some Bitcoin? Oh, it's really easy. Sign up for an account. That'll take you less than two minutes. You then need to FICA your account. So this is a KYC slash AML process. So KYC, know your customer, AML, anti-money laundering. Every financial institution in South Africa has to do this. We don't have to yet because there isn't crypto regulations in place, but we need to act as a prudent authority and hence why we require customers to go through that process. That generally takes an hour or two. I mean, if you've got your ID document with you and a proof of address, that can be as quick as 10 to 15 minutes. Once all of that's set up and you've been verified on our system, you can literally go ahead and click deposit. You make a bank transfer, you deposit some cryptocurrency if you already have cryptocurrency, and then you can pick an investment to make an investment to any one of our products. You can also then sell out of that investment the moment after you've made that purchase if you'd like, or you can wait 10 years. And we sort of in the position of saying, think about the long-term opportunity here. Uh, if you're wanting to gamble and really trade in this market, go to a platform that's built for trading. There's a whole host of platforms which are kind of like entertainment-based platforms, in my opinion. Go to them or go to the casino and pick black or red or you know, one of the other machines that you can play on. So you're saying easy, but not for the guys who are looking to be crazy, crazy with the, with the numbers. Having said that though, the, the crypto space certainly, I mean, uh, it's not even a teenager if we had to look at it in, in, in years. And um, I think the first commercial transaction or transaction of, of any sort, I suppose, that we've got was about 10 years ago. That's with the old pizza day, uh, the, the hardcore guys 
I think they even market there, so it's the 22nd of May or something every yes, year. Yes. They do it. And for those who weren't aware of it, I mean, some guy on that day decided to stump up 10,000 Bitcoin to buy two pizzas. Yes. If that were translated, and Bitcoin is not even at a, a peak at the moment, but that's 4.6 trillion rand, the GDP of South Africa for 2020 for two pizzas. That's got to be the most expensive piece of food anybody's ever bought. That is insane. Now, that probably is why so many people are willing to give it a go, because if you had to imagine you know, what kind of return you might get on regular stocks, then this is certainly looking like something that, while volatile, certainly seems like that, that risk seems like there's, there's something in it for you. Tell us a bit more about how that, that risk profile and, and the kind of things that you do offer in that space. Yes. So if you're looking at crypto in general, like we said earlier that this is a risky asset class. It is risky. Everyone must understand when you talk about risk, like what is risk when it comes to crypto? It means that if you're investing and it's say one of the more reputable larger cryptocurrencies, like one of the cryptocurrencies within our top 10 bundle, it means that you are going to experience price volatility. The price of each of these assets and therefore the entire bundle that you purchased is going to move up and down a lot in a day. Like on average, it's going to move far more than an average equity investment, equity being stocks or, you know, a property investment. So that's something that people have to become comfortable with. The opportunity here is something called, and he has a big fancy word, an asymmetric risk return profile. And what this really means is that you invest, call it a thousand rand, 10,000 rand, 500 rand. I mean, with us, you can get started with as little as 150 rand. So you invest that amount of money. Now, the most you can lose is 150 rand if you've invested 150 rand, 10,000 rand if you've invested 10,000 rand. But you have the opportunity to make two, three, four, five, 10, 15 X your money. And with the emergence of a new asset class, that is the opportunity that a lot of people have been drawn to here. Because if you look at Bitcoin over the last decade, it is the top performing asset class ever. You've never had an asset get to be worth $1.1 trillion in less than 10 years. That is absolutely insane. And it's still worth over a trillion dollars. So that growth story has brought a lot of people into the space because you know, maybe Bitcoin is digital gold. Maybe Ethereum is like digital oil. And that's the sort of, you know, obviously we're going to be talking about that in the podcast, but that's the sort of opportunity that people are seeing going, well, hell, you know, you're seeing a trillion dollar asset now. If this actually does overtake gold's current market cap, you're looking at a $10 trillion asset. That's a 10x return. And that's really attractive. In coming episodes, we will look at how and when to invest and how to choose which types might work for you. We will look at the impact of regulation. For some, it is a welcome addition to make what is a very complex issue a little safer. While for others, it is just a way for those it sought to prevent being able to meddle from doing just that. You may be following a few big names in the crypto world to see if you can get an insight into what might happen next. Is that just good advice? Or might it amount to attempts to manipulate the market? And it would not be a crypto conversation fit for 2021 if we did not talk about non-fungible tokens. The NFT gold rush might end in tears for some, but the tech that makes it possible is going to have a big impact on life in the 21st century. And I didn't even mention DeFi. Decentralized finance will become the thing for you to know about in the coming years. That is all still to come. For now, be sure to follow this podcast and subscribe to get each new episode. We may have already published the others by the time you hear this, so look for the ones that would be of most interest to you and listen to them first. And if you're becoming a fan of cryptos, but being met with criticism from others around you, share this with them and ask to talk about it. It may help them understand it, but better too. This series is presented by Revix founder and CEO, Sean Saunders, and hosted by me, Colin Cullis. It is produced by Nicola Bruins and published by Prime Media Broadcasting for Revix. You can add to the questions we answer via the Revix website at revix.com. And you can open an account and try the platform for yourself. Just visit revix.com. Don't be left behind. To start investing in crypto, just go to revix.com and sign up for free today.